Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. This morning, we are going to continue our time through the book of Daniel 10. Daniel 10. See, in 1965, Singapore won her independence in 1965. But in that same year, the United States of America, uh, they went into a war, participating in a war in the Vietnam region, the Vietnam War. And as they entered the war, the purpose was clear. They were hoping to contain the spread of communism in the region. But one of the things they uh, were unprepared for uh, was the nature of the warfare that they were going to be engaged in. They were unprepared for the terrain that they were in. It was hot, humid, uh, and the dense jungle proved to be a challenge for them. They were also unprepared to face an enemy that was so tenacious in their character And they were also unprepared for the unconventional warfare that was used by their enemy. See, one of the defining strategies uh, that the Viet Cong used to withstand uh, the forces uh, of the United States Army was the tactic of being unseen. Unseen. And here's a picture drawn by the U.S. Army uh, of the Viet Cong back then, of how they moved around. Uh, in Vietnam. They were basically living underground most of the time so that they may go unseen uh, in their warfare capabilities. And that proved to be helpful in winning the war. This morning, we are going to go under the surface to see and understand the unseen battle that we face as disciples of Jesus Christ. But before we continue, let me pray for us. Eternal God, our Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word that gives us life, meaning, and purpose. What would you open our eyes to see as you see, so that we may do as you say. Holy Spirit, come. May your word take root and bear fruit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As mentioned earlier, we are continuing our book of Daniel 10. The sermon titled this morning is Unseen, Unseen. Now, for the past two weeks, we have had Missions Sunday. Uh, And this week, we are resuming our final lap into the book of Daniel 10. Turn to someone next to you and say, we're almost there. Almost there. Then next year, we have Leviticus. Uh, No, but it's, it's a great book. It's a great book. Um, so, so in Daniel 10, last time we were in Daniel 10, Pastor Sharon, uh, she went through Daniel 10 and she talked about how we serve a God who strengthens us. This week, we are going to conclude Daniel 10. Uh, but unlike the usual Sundays, we are going to do a thematic approach. We're going we're gonna to find a particular theme present in the chapter, and we're going to unpack on that theme. And this week, the team decided uh, on, the, on, on spiritual warfare. And we see that very prevalent in Daniel 10, 
Why? In the first verse of Daniel 10, we see that Daniel comes face to face with a great conflict, a great conflict. And the nature of this great conflict can be understood and seen in the subsequent verses in the chapter. For example, in verses 5 and verses 6, we see the description of a heavenly being. But not just that. The conflict itself is seen in Daniel 10 verse 13. Daniel 10 verse 13, on the screen you will see that there is an ongoing battle, an unseen battle happening between the forces of darkness and the kingdom of God. Now the forces of darkness here is represented by uh, the princes, the rulers of the earthly kingdoms. It seems that the power of darkness have control over the worldly kingdoms. So we see this great conflict happening that Daniel sees. And therefore, we wanted to unpack the spiritual warfare aspect uh, to our Christian life. What does it look like? How do we deal with it? And so this morning, there are two theological anchors that I want to present to you guys to help us understand the nature and how we can engage against the warfare. So two theological anchors. The first theological anchor is that we must first recognize, recognize the spiritual reality in the conflict. Recognize the spiritual reality in the conflict. Next slide, please. Thank you. That's the first thing, the spiritual reality. Now, there are three aspects of this spiritual reality that we must grasp and come to know of as we battle against this unseen force. The first thing that we must recognize is that it is cosmic. It is cosmic in nature, this spiritual reality. Why do I say that? If we look at the great conflict mentioned in Daniel 10 verse 1, we can find its origin story back in Genesis 3. That is where it all began, where the forces of darkness waged war against the kingdom of God. In Genesis 3, we see the serpent representing the evil one, coming to tempt, coming to deceive humanity to think that they can disobey the word of God and and, and even take the place of God himself. See, from, from being made in the image of God, the serpent was deceiving humanity to think that they can be the image of God. So we see that shift happening. So you know, Professor Allen, Professor Allen Uh, has this to say. He said, here is the lie that has allured the human race from the beginning. There is no punishment for disobedience. But the Bible again and again makes it clear, disobedience brings death. Disobedience brings death. And so we see the unraveling of this deception taking place and humanity falling for that deception. Uh, And as a result, God comes to the scene. He condemns the serpent and he punishes humanity for what they have done in the disobedience that they have uh, done in the Garden of Eden. So that's where we see the origin story of this great 
conflict. And all the way to Revelation, we will see that being unpacked throughout the scripture. Next slide, please. And so that's the reason why the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 6, verse 12, he says this, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We begin to see the cosmic nature beyond just our physical realm, that it is cosmic in nature that it has, has been going on since the time where humanity fell in Genesis chapter 3. So it's cosmic in nature. You know, it reminds me of a recent case here in Singapore of this money laundering case I'm sure many of you are familiar with, where what started out as a probe on some forged documents led the authorities to discover this cosmic uh, syndicate network that spans across different nations. And finally, in 2023, um, they arrested the relevant parties and it was reported that more than $2.8 billion worth of assets were seized and involved in this case, making it the largest money laundering case in the world. So first and foremost, the spiritual reality, it is cosmic in nature. But not just cosmic. The second thing that we must note and understand about this spiritual reality is that it is complex. It is complex. C.S. Lewis has this to say with regards to understanding the forces of darkness. This is what he says. He says, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist or a magician with the same Delight. You may be wondering, wow, Gong Si Mi, what is he talking about? I don't understand. What he is basically saying, simply put, there are two sides of the camps where people overestimate the work of the evil one, where everything, every fight you have with your spouse, with your kids, it's spiritual warfare. And on the other hand, we have a camp here who, who denies the realities of the work of the evil one. Completely. Everything has an explanation. Nothing to do with the unseen realm. He said in both cases, the evil one wins because it is not a one or zero game. It is more complex. The nature of the warfare that we are facing, it's more complex. Why? Because firstly, we live in a fallen world. And number two, we ourselves are fallen beings. And so we have a part to play sometimes in circumstances and situations where we face. And that's the reason why it is complex. Next slide, please. And that's the reason why it's important for us, nonetheless, to recognize and understand the schemes, the methods of the evil one, so we can identify and be alert. That's why Paul in 2 Corinthians 2.11 says that we might not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. What it means, basically, in order for us not to be falling into the deception trap of the evil one, we must know its methods, its designs. You know, our leadership mentor, Reverend Edmund Chan, often talks about the different schemes and the methods of the evil one. And he broadly 
talks about three broad categories. Division, defilement, and discouragement. These are some very practical and, and, and often methods used by the evil one to derail us in our discipleship journey. But amongst the three, there is an underlying foundational piece that is prevalent, and that is deception. That is at the core of who the evil one is and what he tries to do. Lies. And that's why in John 8.44, it tells us, describing Satan to be one that does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. The evil one is described and marked as the father of lies. That's the foundational aspect of who he is. The one who accuses, the one who deceives. And so it's important for us to be aware of the different schemes that he throws at us. And the only way for us to stand against the deception, the lies of the evil one, is that we must know the truth. By knowing the truth, we can discern and differentiate what is true and what is false. Next slide, please. About more than just it being cosmic, it being complex. The most important thing that we need to recognize with this spiritual reality is that it is conclusive. It is conclusive. In other words, despite the challenges, the difficulties we face in this unseen warfare, the end game, the result, the outcome of this unseen battle between the forces of darkness and the kingdom of God is clear. Unlike the Avengers Endgame, that, that in, in several multiverse, there, there could be several uh, places where there is an alternate ending. In the reality to which we live in here in this world, in whatever multiverse you try to come up with, the end result, the outcome is the same. It's conclusive. And what is the conclusive endgame? Colossians 2.15 tells us this. Paul tells us, in this way, he, Jesus, disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, the end game, the outcome of this unseen battle is conclusive. And what this means for us as believers today is that we have a future hope that when Jesus returns in the time to come, in his second coming, that we can be hopeful that the forces of darkness will be completely defeated once and for all. But not just a future hope, my friends. A present hope that right now in the midst while we await the return of Jesus, but because of the finished work of the cross that Jesus has borne, we can live in confidence that we are able to stand against the schemes of the evil one. And that's the reason why it is cosmic, it is complex, it is conclusive. That's something we need to recognize in our discipleship journey 
of this unseen battle that is raging on right now in our midst, even though we don't see it. You know, recently, uh, we had our annual Generations Camp. Uh, some may, may went for it. Uh, but f- this time round during Generations Camp in, in June, uh, we had something more unique, uh, a unique experience that usually we don't have. Um, after the first night of our session, uh, there was a teenager that was lying on the ground, lying on the ground. Uh, and they don't know what was happening to him. He was just... He, he, they thought he was fainted or, he, or something happened. So basically, they started calling different medical professionals after the service to look at him. And different ones came, doctors, nurses came to, to just take a look at how he is. And they checked everything. Seemed fine. Everything's okay. And then as I stood there, I asked myself, what is happening to this boy? Why is he not feeling well? Even though after all the checks, he seems to be okay. And then I... I, I, I the Lord prompted me and said, ask him to say Jesus. And at that moment, I knew something was off. So I went up to the boy while he was still lying down and said, can you hear me? And I, he couldn't say anything. And then I said, can you try to say the word Jesus? And then he, he tried. After several times, he couldn't say Jesus. And after, after a while, he was like, gee, gee. and that moment when he almost finished saying the word Jesus, he started, uh, there, was, there was this demonic oppression that, that was manifested that happened right there at the front of our stage. And different ones started pressing down on him and holding him down. And at that moment, they, they all knew that something was off, of course. There was not a medical issue, that there was a legitimate spiritual oppression that was happening in our midst. And so different ones came and we started praying over him. And the moment he confessed his sins, the moment he confessed his sins, and the moment he declared Jesus as his Lord and Savior, at that moment, that spirit that was disturbing him left immediately. And so after Finding out more information with the whole incident, we realized that he was actually a, a non-believer that was invited. And what he experienced was a deliverance from spiritual oppression that he got in his past growing up. And so, so, so I share this example to show us that sometimes we may not see, see what's happening around us at times. We, we see it with our physical, earthly eyes. But sometimes in the unseen realm, there are things that are going on that we require God to open our eyes to see this spiritual reality. But not only are we to recognize, not only are we to recognize the spiritual reality in the conflict, there's a second thing that we must do. But before that, before I share that, I want to show us a picture. Here is a line, a cue. That's typical in Singapore. You see it everywhere. Now, can you make a guess? What are they queuing up for? Lee Ho. Bauti. Fried banana. This is at Aperia Mall. Um, I was very curious. So I went closer to take a look. What is this queue all about? Next slide, please. And I found out that they were actually queuing up for tarot card reading. Yeah, huh, right? 
So I never knew that this was a, a thing here in Singapore. So I went up to ask one of the, the guys who were lining up and asked him, so, so what's this all about? He said, oh, apparently this tarot card reading is a trend that's happening. Everyone goes for it. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm in the line. So then I had a conversation and asked him, oh, so why, why are you queuing up for? He said, oh, because I'm at a crossroads in life. I'm at a crossroad. And I wanted to get some, some assurance, some level of, of peace uh, and certainty that I'm on the right path of what I'm doing. See, my friends, what seems to be harmless, what seems to be normal, actually finds its roots back to the great conflict, the unseen battle that is happening. Because the evil one is smart. The evil one talks on the areas of our lives that matter the most. Purpose, identity, and tries to give false hope, false assurances to people, thinking that they are okay. So as we continue, we must recognize and remember the spiritual reality of this unseen battle. But not just recognize. The second thing that we must know in this unseen battle is that we must respond with spiritual reliance in the conflict. Respond with spiritual reliance in the conflict. Now, if you look with me again to Daniel chapter 10, what did Daniel do as he sees and observes this great conflict? The passage tells us exactly what he did. Verse 2 and 3, he was mourning, he was fasting from particular foods, he was abstaining himself from particular practices, in this case, anointing himself with oil. What all these mean, my friends? These are all a means to an end, not an end in itself. The end goal of the fasting, of the abstinence, of the mourning, is at the end, a deeper reliance, a deeper dependence on God. That was the end goal of all these things that he was doing. A deeper dependence on God, through prayer and intercession. How do we know that? In Daniel 10, verse 12, we see what he did. The angel tells him, he said, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Daniel, since the very first day, was coming before God with all the different things that he was doing. The aim was to come before God in dependence and reliance as he prayed and intercede for the people of God. That was what Daniel was doing. So we see the role of prayer taking center stage when it comes to dealing with the unseen warfare we face. And the two things that we need to note about prayer in warfare that's going on. The first is that prayer engages us. Prayer engages us in warfare. Why do I say that? Next slide, please. In Ephesians 6.10, which we looked at just now, Ephesians 6.10, the Apostle Paul, upon telling and, and, and sharing with the believers the different aspects of living out your faith, he then says, finally, 
Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Two things to note about this. The Apostle Paul is giving an imperative here in the original. Imperative to say, be strong in the Lord. That's the first thing. Number two, what is more important is this. The Apostle Paul is saying that you are able, you can be strong in the Lord amidst the warfare you are facing. That's what he is saying. You can be strong in the midst of this unseen battle you are facing. But the question then, as we read that, is how? What does it look like to be strong in the Lord? So the Apostle Paul then goes on in that segment to talk about how it's important to put on the armor of God. He talks about all these different things. And then at the end of this segment, he concludes with this saying. He says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. The Apostle Paul was intentional in putting prayer at the last part of this segment because prayer is not one of the items we use in warfare. Prayer undergirds. Prayer is the foundation in our engagement of this spiritual warfare we are facing right now. That's the reason why Paul put it at the end, not in, in one of the things to put on. No, he says prayer undergirds everything. As you put on the different parts, the armor, the truth, the salvation that you have, you, prayer is the foundation. That's what Paul is saying. So prayer engages us in warfare. So we see that very clearly in the first part. No, I want to go back to a, a slide that I didn't show earlier. It's basically a table, a table for us to see what happens when we stand against the evil one. Prayer engages us in warfare. For example, when the evil one tries to throw different schemes at us, whether it be defilement, division, and discouragement, some of the lies, not, not in totality, of course, but for example, the lies that is a result of defilement, oh, it's not worth your time working things out. Move on, just... You know, don't forget about this person. Or look at you. You're still trapped in this stronghold, this sin that you have. You've been trying to get out of it. You've been praying, but it seems like it's not working. Just, just, just deal with it. Just live with it. Live with this sin. It's okay. So these are some lies, for example, from for, for the schemes of defilement. And the truth, as we hear about these lies, we stand in the truth. And we declare the truth against those lies. For example... You can be forgiven. First John 1 9 tells us, you can be forgiven. And Ephesians 4 tells us, do not keep anger over the day. So there are different passages that enable us to remember and to declare over the lies the evil one shows us. Or for example, division. When you have a fight with your spouse, your children, or whatnot, thoughts that you yourself end up saying as a result of the thoughts planted. For example, oh, he or she is good for nothing, or what they did was completely unforgivable, unacceptable. And in times of trying to, to bring division in your relationships, we remember the truth of God, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And also how Paul calls us, for example, in Ephesians, to walk worthy of our calling and in everything to be eager in maintaining the unity of the Spirit. 
So these are truths that we, we must remember that we counter against the schemes of the evil one. Or for example, discouragement. Many of you, regardless of what season of life you're in, this is something very real, especially for Singaporeans. Because in every stage and season of life, we end up comparing ourselves with others in the same season of life. Whether it be in school, marketplace, even retired, you also compare of the lifestyle that different ones may have. So this idea of how you are not good enough or how you are only loved if you are performed, these things are, are lies from the evil one. Or for those of you who are older here, you no longer are able to function physically the way that you used to. For example, sitting up, standing down, it, it becomes more challenging. And sometimes the, the evil one may plant thoughts and say, ah, you look at you, 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 can't, you can't function the way you used to anymore in the past. Last time you were able to do this and that. The lies of the evil one. You know, uh, yesterday I just experienced my first signs of aging. Um, <laughs> I was throwing rubbish. My, my duty as a husband every night is to throw rubbish. So I throw rubbish. I was, I was at the dustbin uh, latch. You know, you, you press down and then it opens up, right? So I missed a step. So I pressed down and then I missed a step and I, I felt my back cracked for the first time. So I, I, what I'm saying is because I, I understand, I relate to you. The pain, <laughs> the struggle, I'm, I still have a bit of pain here, but, but I relate to you. So these lies that the evil one tries to throw at you, we must remember to counter that with the truth of God, that we are loved no matter what we do. We are loved the same, unconditionally, full stop. So that's important for us. First thing, prayer engages us in warfare. But the second thing that it does, prayer also encourages us. It encourages us through warfare. As we pray, as we seek the Lord, what happens is that God realigns ourselves back to Him. It causes us to remember that we are coming before a God, a holy God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, who is bigger who is mightier than the problems, than the situations that we face in life. Prayer encourages us through the warfare we face. That's why, next slide please, it shows us here in 1 John 4, 4, it reminds us, it says, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you, he being Jesus, is greater than he who is in the world. He, in the second part, referring to the evil one. Truths like this reminds us as we pray, as we seek the Lord. You know, one of the practical ways we can pray is through the prayer hand. How many of you are familiar with the prayer hand? Some of you are. Some of you are not. The prayer hand is a very practical way that helps us to pray and engage in the unseen realm. The reason why this prayer hand is helpful is because sometimes when we pray, we always pray just for ourselves. But what this does is that prayer helps us to engage and remember that the warfare that we are facing and engaging in is cosmic in nature and so we must pray for the different aspects of society. So the thumb is to pray for, first and foremost, a thanksgiving to God. It helps us start with a thankful heart. And then, 
The index finger is to pray for leaders and authorities over us. Number three, the highest finger is to pray for those significant to us. Number four, to pray for the weak, the sick, and the marginalized. And then lastly, is to pray for ourselves. By using this prayer hymn, it opens up our eyes to see that the problems, the challenges we face, there's something bigger than that. There's a cosmic conflict going on. So I want to encourage you, it may not be every day, may not be every week, but I want to encourage you to try to incorporate this into your prayer rhythm so that you begin to see beyond the physical realm, to engage and see that we are in the midst of a spiritual conflict. You know, as I, worship, as I en- uh, encourage the worship team to come up right now, uh, one of the things that I want to close this morning is, is that as we continue in our walk with God, one of the challenges that we face is that when we pray and somehow God does not hear our prayers. This morning, as I want to close and end our time together, is that the Lord's burden for us this morning is that there are people here who have been praying for particular needs and concerns. And somehow it it seems like God is not hearing your prayers. It seems like somehow God is almost ignorant of your prayers. And this morning as we look at the scriptures in Daniel 12, for example, Daniel 10 verse 12, it reminds us that as we humble ourselves before God, that as we pray and seek the Lord, it's clear in verse 12, God hears our prayers. God hears our prayers in the very first prayers that we pray all the way to now as we continue to pray. God hears your prayers. And this morning, I don't know what particular areas of your life that you've been praying for, but this morning, God wants to remind us as His people that He hears your prayers, even though it may not seem like He is answering them. You know, for me in this season, as I, I pray for different things in different seasons, one of the things I've, I've been praying for intentionally is for my parents-in-law. Both my father and my mother-in-law are non-believers, they're free thinkers. And so one of the things that uh, I shared with my wife, El, is that as we, as we continue in our journey together with them, that I believe that God is using our marriage as a visible witness to the reality of who God is. And so we have been praying for them. We've been very intentional in in practicing and living out our Christian faith. You know, one of the things that we, we do every time when we have meals with them uh, is that we, we insist on praying. Uh, and so initially, when we first started out, it was a bit awkward. You're like, oh. <laughs> but over time, it became part of the habit. And there were several times uh, over, uh, over a long period of time where there were times when we forgot to pray and then they were like, hey, can we please pray? before we eat. And I was like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. So as we continue to witness to them, we see the hand of God. 
Even though we continue to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, would you bring them to know you and, and get them to make you the Lord and Master of your lives, though they haven't said yes, I do believe that God is moving and He wants to use us as the answers to the prayers that we are praying. Recently, my father-in-law, um, the doctor diagnosed him with an early onset of Parkinson's disease. Um, and one of the things that I asked the Lord was, God, the work is not done yet. The work is not done yet. And I asked the Lord, why, why are you allowing this to happen? And he said, do you trust me? Do you trust me in my timing, in my ways? That I will bring to pass and I will reveal myself to them in the rightful timing. And I say, Lord, I am sorry. I'm sorry for doubting you. And I choose once again to trust in you. To trust in you, even though it seems like things are not working out well. You know, recently then we asked him, we talked about the faith again, and we asked him, so, so on a scale of one to 10, how close are you now in, in wanting to believe that there is a greater hope than this disease that you have. Greater hope than just doing things and just getting on with life and passing away. There is something greater. On a scale of 1 to 10, where are you at in your desire to say you want to put your trust and your faith in, in, in someone, not something, but someone who would never fade away? And you say, I'm this close. I'm this close. And so I'm believing by faith as I continue to persevere in, in praying and interceding that God in His timing, in His way, will bring my parents-in-law to Christ. For you personally this morning, I believe God, God is wanting to remind us whatever that you have been praying for, whether it be salvation for your family, friends, or whether it be a personal struggle and addiction, that you're going through. This morning, I believe that God hears your prayers and He wants to let you know, my son and my daughter, your prayers are heard. I'm with you every step of the way. And so this morning, as I allow the worship team up to lead us in this song, response song. I want you to bring before the Lord whatever prayers that you have been praying for but seem to be unanswered. I want you to bring it before the Lord this morning and as you do so, let it be a sign to say, Lord, here are the prayers that I've been praying. Though unanswered, I choose to trust in you because it is in Christ alone and in Him alone that there is breakthrough that there is victory. And that's the, what the Apostle Paul says. Be strong not in things, but be strong in the Lord and in His might. And so this morning, as you hear and as you come before the Lord, bring before Him whatever prayers that have been unanswered to Him this morning and allow the Lord to minister to you through this song as we sing the chorus. In Christ alone, I place my trust and 
speak to those who have been feeling neglected. There have been prayers that you prayed and you asked the Lord, why haven't you answered them? This morning, the Lord wants to let you know that He hears every prayer. He sees every tear And this morning he says, my son, my daughter, will you trust in me? Will you trust in me? Trust the process that I am working even when you don't see it. If that is you this morning, I want to pray for you that God will give you a fresh outpouring of His Spirit that He might grant you the peace, that He might grant you the recognition that He is with you in the midst of unanswered prayers. If that is you this morning with all head bowed and all eyes closed, I want you to raise your hands because I want to pray for you. If that is you this morning, I want you to raise your hands all across the room, wherever you're at. Raise it to the Lord. He sees your hands. Yes, the Lord sees your hands. He sees the tears. Father, you see the hands that have been raised. Oh God, you know every pain, every struggle, and every prayer that we have prayed. God, I pray for my dear brothers and sisters here. Oh Lord, you know them. You know exactly where they're at. So God, I ask, Lord, for a fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit this morning to grant them the comfort, the confidence that you are with them in the midst of unanswered prayers, in the midst of the, 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 the challenges that they are facing, that God, you will open their eyes to see as you see the situation. Lord, would you open the eyes, Lord, of your people this morning, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead. God, I ask, Lord, for the fresh outpouring of your Holy Spirit this morning that they would experience and be encouraged by your very presence. So God, would you bless each and every one of them to persevere, to see that it's in Christ alone we place our trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing the verse. Let's rise together and let's sing the verse together.
Christ alone will I glory. Better pride myself in better sworn. For I've been blessed beyond measure, and by His strength alone I'll overcome. Oh, I could stop and count successes like diamond in my hands. But the trophies could not equal to the grace by which I stand. In Christ alone, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every victory, let it be said of me, my source of strength. In Christ alone, in Christ alone, I place my trust and find my glory in the power of the cross. In every let it be said of me, my source of strength, my source of hope, my source of strength, my source of strength, my source of hope, my source of strength, my source of We declare together, is Christ alone? Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. You can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.